This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host. Joining me for uh, more Aston Villa propaganda, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw. Glory to the Villa. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. Victorious we are as a club now. Two wins on the trot. What more can you ask for? That's the minimum you could ask for after one win in uh, eight games in all competitions, I would probably uh, add. But uh, all is good again, or is it? We shall discuss that uh, when we look back at, uh, was this the game that we've been uh, prophesizing that we would beat somebody 4-0 or, or are we, were we actually talking about more of a, like a 6 or 7-0? Was that Maybe what that's we classed as a, Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's so. what we really classed as a beating. This is just getting our sights in, isn't it? Anyway, we'll look back at the Saints game as well as catching up on the uh, the latest filler news and uh, the three points and medium muppetry as per usual. How are you gents doing? I'm, Anything I'm, happening? I'm very well. I'm very well. I think it's you're the one who's had the dramatic weekend, haven't you? With your nice trip away when you weren't meant to be in the, in uh, Tenerife. <laughs> <laughs> I just ended up in a country I, I shouldn't have been in. Uh, uh, it's, I, I still have got no idea how it happened. But all good. I was due to go away for... Uh, it's kind of a family lads weekend. It's kind of a tradition, uh, like in March, to get some sun, you know, for a long weekend. It's cheap, cheerful. Normally I do it, like, I don't know, once every other year because of the whole COVID lockdown. I thought, yeah, let's do it this time. So I've been talking about it with these various people and planning it and booking things around it and, you know, making sure it all syncs up. And anyway, I went, uh, flew to Tenerife, landed. This is on Thursday before the Southampton game. And I'm dropping people notes and not getting any replies. And then uh, I'm on the phone to... uh, one of my family members and I'm saying oh where are you as in where are you in Tenerife and it's like oh I'm, you know doing some accounts or something I said what do you mean he said where are you I said I'm in Tenerife he said what the fuck are you doing there <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the penny drops that it's next week oh dear <laughs> So there I was with no accommodation or anything. So I was like, well, you know, did a bit of Googling. I can get a flight back tomorrow, like 30 quid or whatever it was. Or uh, we can just go with this and then think about whether we go again next week. So uh, luckily, uh, something popped up on Air- Airbnb, like within 10 minutes of me searching it. Uh, and it was like, it was a good place, actually. Great spot, balcony overlooking the sea and the mountains in the background. It was like almost like half the price of uh, the cheapest hotel that was left. But anyways, uh, so I uh, I just entertained myself for uh, for, for the uh, for the weekend. So I, you know, I had an e bike, and that that was brilliant. First time I've ever used an e bike. Uh, went to a driving range and. Uh, kind of made the best of the weather and here i am back uh, and the reason uh, the only reason i can think why i did this was because i was sitting on their halt end in that chilly wind against watford and my brain i think had wishful thinking saying <laughs> any we can't, excuse <laughs> we can't watch this shower shit again in these conditions when tanarif set and for some reason my brain conveniently switched that southampton game to in my brain to when Tenerife was so I uh, you know moved my ticket on and thought well at least I'm uh, saved of that and uh, A that wasn't the weekend and B uh, Villa's best performance of the season probably oh comfortably am I right I would say it's definitely at Villa Park yeah 
Definitely Villa Park. Yeah. So anyway, sod's law that uh, I just wish Phil was there to join me on that holiday, but never mind. <laughs> what, the caddy for you? <laughs> <laughs> what, on a driving range? <laughs> uh, well, when you got a driving range and, the, and there's a mountain, and it was like, you know, one euro for a, for a bucket of uh, 25 balls. And, you know, they did me a solid by lending me some clubs for three euros. And it was, you know, it's a great place, great little bar they've got there. Why can't life be about value uh, anywhere else in England? You're getting stung through the, the backside to play any kind of golf. But anyway, how are you, Phil, anyway? No, all good. Just I've, I've, There's a sign I'm getting older now. Someone donated us an air fryer, and it's like it's revolutionary. People, I'm just trying to see what things I can cook in it now. Just throwing everything into it, whether it's frozen or not. I have uh, I have an air fryer was one of the first things I bought in lockdown, and uh, it, is, it is pretty groovy, actually. I'm a big advocate of the air fryer. Good for veg, everything. Anyway, this isn't a cooking program. This is um, Aston <laughs> Villa. Anyway, Aston Villa podcast, and uh, let's uh, let's talk about what's been going on. Uh, I think it's time for some news. Uh, we can talk about the uh, the price of air fryers, or uh, we can catch up on the Villa news. I think we'll just get on with the Villa news, as you've both got air fryers now, so it's not much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Masters of the air fryer. All right, uh, Villa's annual uh, accounts uh, came out. I, I, I was too busy to look at them. Uh, <laughs> give me in a nutshell what's happening. I, I know we're losing money because it's the COVID situation. Because it's so you know, it's it can't really draw because it's such an anomaly. It's and as obviously you're missing uh, the revenue of uh, the gate receipts, even though the you know it's uh, it's mainly TV rights money that's the big important thing. Is there any headlines that we should be telling the folks who haven't actually looked at them yet? Well, the headline is it just shows the scale of the. the money that uh, Wes Edens and Nassif Suarez are putting in to the club uh, but the real headline that I took out of it was uh, as far as revenue goes because you think that Villa are getting closer to the big six or the Super League six but the the team that brought in the least money out of the Super League six so the last place out of them Arsenal still brought in £110 million more in revenue in season 2021 than Villa did so even though it was a record year for revenue for Villa there's still 110 million behind Arsenal so that it just shows that the scale of the job still ahead and a lot of that it's just the scale of the international market which Villa really haven't got a big footprint in uh, I know that from the demographics of my site you know which is predominantly uh, UK and uh, you know I know the demographics of a major Arsenal site and uh it's the UK demographic is uh, it's about twenty five percent less than you know my UK demographic, which suggests they have a huge you know other areas like Asia and uh, the states, etc. So that's where we uh, have to catch up on the likes of those clubs in terms of uh, increasing revenue as well. And yeah, because obviously they can sell a lot more shirts. Their ground is big. You know, they're getting what twenty thousand more every week at the, uh, yeah. the Emirates, etc. It all adds up. And then obviously they you know the corporate deals they can do, shirt sponsorships, etc. Strategic partnerships, all of that. It all comes into it, doesn't it? Yeah. Speaking of such things, at Kazoo are staying the front of shirt sponsor. We have to say things like that. We can't just say shirt sponsor now. They put sponsors uh, everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Maybe they should have uh, dropped the Chinese uh, betting sponsor on the arms for that uh, game against uh, Southampton since uh, the Chinese... blocked the Premier League games for this weekend so because did. of our show of solidarity to the Ukraine, which uh, that kind of tells you all you need to know there. Mm. There will be no more Kazoo Derby, will they? Because they seem Everton to be Everton won't be in the Premier League, you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what Kazoo are kind of implying there. They've looked into the future and it doesn't look good for Everton, so they're pulling that one. Uh, in terms of uh, the fitness of the squad, Trore returned for the Saints games on the bench. For the Saints game on the bench... Carney uh, Chukmoeka is expected back for Leeds, although I think that's still a bit of a 50-50 job. Yeah. Uh, are Konza and uh, Dean going to be back uh, after their COVID? They haven't confirmed uh, it. It's five days, isn't it? You have to isolate now. So it's whether or not they are, you know, if they've tested themselves out. Right. So uh, is that still a coin toss? Well, at the, time of re- at the time of the, the recording this show yeah. anyway. Yeah. 
meanwhile, Nakamba uh, was confirmed uh, in the Stephen Gerrard press conferences as being around three to four weeks away. So uh, probably won't see him until April. Meanwhile, uh, Aston Villa have been used as collateral uh, in the election uh, of, uh, what's the president's name? It's uh, Miguel Pinto Lisboa. Of? Vitoria Guamares. Who has promised uh, that he, if he is re-elected, uh, he will bring in a proposed partnership as, uh, with Aston Villa, which is something that's been muted uh, since uh, probably about May May last year. Wes Edens has been in talks with Victoria regarding, uh, you know, being under the umbrella of uh, V Sports and uh, having a kind of a mutually beneficial, you know, it's kind of where you have a player exchange and, you know, loaning system with the Portuguese club. We shall see how that goes. But I don't know if if Christian Perslow is happy with that, if that letter that was leaked by uh, Mr. Pinto Lisboa is legit. That's not really how you should do business. Not with a strategic partnership like that. Yeah, he he may find that uh, punted. A little bit of uh, trivia... Villa once played them in the UEFA Cup. Many moons. 1983, ago. Victoria actually won the first leg 1-0 and Villa at the return at Villa Park uh, slapped them 5-0 in the return game to win 5-1 on aggregate. So uh, there you go. There's the uh, the link, historical link between the two clubs. Moving on, Villa have signed 16-year-old Northern Ireland uh, attacking midfielder, stroke striker, would you say? I, I've never seen him play. Amari Kellyman from Derby for 600,000, which uh, I'm sure uh, Derby desperately needed obviously with their circumstances mm-hmm. so feel sure we'll keep an eye on him uh, for you yeah like, like i said anybody any good over here disappears over to the mainland before they get to play anywhere here so i'll be interested to see him play yeah in terms of loans archer continues uh and scored again for Preston in their two-one win against Bournemouth. I still, I, I watched the you know the goal. It's just lethal, isn't yeah, it? It's just instinctive. Just instinctive. It's. I can't um, remember a young player who's come through at Villa who was that clinical. You think about some of our young strikers, like you know Byfield, Vassell, people like that. Yeah. Gabby, they were never that level in front of goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Vassell and Gabby, you know, they scored a shitload of goals in the youth team. But you know, when when they played for the full team, you, you're not, you would never label them natural finishers, no, no, would no, you? No. Like not, but not even he would even start to think about it because Gabby, uh, most of his goals were miskicked, and you know, I think he's actually admitted uh, he wasn't the best striker uh, of a ball. But uh, this chap, it's uh, it's uncanny what he what he does. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Trezeguet has scored four in four, four goals in four appearances uh, over in Istanbul. For he's doing well, yeah, Bisaksa here. So uh, hopefully that will uh, give him a price tag <laughs> or stake your claim to. Stick around, perhaps. Oh, no. <laughs> you still <laughs> fucking Chris Bud still thinks Trore and uh, Trezeguet are the future. I mean, we can have we can, we, we can have no subs if you prefer. <laughs> I know you don't like having anybody on the bench. And- Archer, mate, Archer, he's coming back. Bring on Archer or bring on Trezeguet. I'll let you decide. You have him in the five squad, minutes. Though. Think about him. So, is it, is anyway, it, it was a very young bench on Saturday, David. You can take your I love Trezeguet T-shirt off now. So it's, it's I Nobody like having a strong it. squad. <laughs> Yeah, so do I. So Trezeguet needs to stay in <laughs> Turkey <laughs> and play a bunch of 15-year-olds. David, Michael. That's what we can call you now. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Just keep Trezeguet away. That's my mantra here. I'm not talking about playing the kids. By the way, I would play Archer over oh, him 100%. You're meant to send Trezeguet in alone in the first half of the season when he's useless and again get him for the, <laughs> in the end of the season where it's time to shine. Finale. Yeah, when he starts scoring four in four. But... Uh, Never mind. But yeah, I, I, realistically, look at where the club's going. Look at the kind of rise in ambition. I can't see Trezeguet getting in a first 11 regularly or being, uh, you know, proper impact sub. You know, we've got Bailey on the bench. We've got Buendir on the bench. It's, it's you know, the, the depth's getting Bailey's stronger barely and stronger. Getting a kick. So my, my train of thought is just, uh, well, exactly. Uh, my train of thought is just being realistic on the, the Trezeguet matter because, you know, there's, there's lots of wasted minutes and column inches on talking about the lone players when potentially you'll never see them in a Villa shirt again. Uh, Archer though, uh, that's the intriguing one because of what's in front of him. I suppose of all the guys out on loan, it's senior players, junior players, etc. He's the one who you think there's actually a bit of upside there. 
Yeah, but the thing is, he's he's risen at the time where finally Villa have got two proper forwards, yeah. and we haven't had two proper forwards for a long time, like elite uh, forwards. Yeah. So he probably wishes he was born two or three years uh, earlier. But uh, but he's that good that he could actually uh, threaten them. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know, Ings, you know, he's got a couple of years where he's still probably in his prime. But anyway, we, we shall see. Meanwhile, uh, the Villa women lost one uh, nil at home to Brighton. Uh, they're still, uh, is it 12 points clear of the drop? Yeah, but that's 10 defeats in a row at home. Is that true? Yeah. 10 home, they're going to have to burn the Bescott Stadium down, aren't they? Yeah, they like, they like getting all their points away. Oh, yeah, maybe they should play at the Trillion Dollar Stadium or something now as the home patch. <laughs> Just trying to set things up for gags, but nobody's there with the bat to hit them away. I've got, I've got, I've got nothing on trillion trophy. Uh, no, <laughs> lose with the roof falling down. To be honest. All right. Uh, well, let's get into media muppets. Right then, Phil. What's in the media muppet trough this week? I haven't even looked at this, so uh, I hope it's a good one. No, well, it's just a quick one this week. <laughs> it's, Put the pressure on. Yeah, it's one. The headline really annoyed me. The The headline was from The Express, and it's uh, Stephen Gerrard makes Philip Coutinho injury joke after Aston Villa stars masterclass. Uh, Gerrard making an injury joke about Coutinho. After the Saints game, injury and Coutinho are the last two things you want to be hearing in the same sentence. But, of course, this refers to a comment by Gerrard after the game when he was referring to the Brazilian magician. He goes, he is the reason I have six screws in my left groin and I'm probably on my way to a new hip. Those type of players can do that. That's from, uh, was it last week? Or? It was after the game. No, it was after. Post-match comments. Yeah, it was after the game. So he was just talking about how Coutinho used to turn him in training. Um, yeah. But it was just that headline, just injury. There's there's no reason to injury. If you want to see how that headline should be written, Matt Mayer did it in the Express and Star and he just wrote it properly. He wrote, Aston Villa boss Stephen Gerrard, Felipe Coutinho has set me on a course for a hip replacement. Which I think is a, a pretty good headline. Decent tells you the the truth of the matter, yeah. and it's quite funny. So, and his post match, Gerard went. I think Coutinho basically ended my career. That would have maybe yeah. been a, a better headline. <laughs> right, uh, three points. Point number one. It's uh, the, the call to arms by the FA Premier League and EFL uh, backing the police's uh, proposal of banning orders for possession and abuse of cocaine at football games, which is uh, set to be uh, approved. Uh, Seems to be uh, rife uh, nowadays. Uh, and he's getting the column inches, isn't it, all of a sudden as well, after that? Yeah, I mean, it's always forest. been around. Uh, oh, we've been talking about around it for a while. About. I mean, I remember ooh, 2007 when I got, you know, when I went to see uh, Juventus and was in with the Drugi and uh, somebody who I'd seen do like three lines of coke. I got into a f- fight with him. Uh, well, he got into a fight with me, but his eyes were literally popping out of his skull. It was uh, ridiculous. And, you know, the fight was just like they'd know because it was right in the middle of the Drugi. And obviously I was a stranger. It's like, who the fuck are you? But that's another story, which I still haven't told. It's a, it's a classic uh but uh, but yeah, that's when I thought, oh, it's an it- this is what they do in Italian football, smoke a load of weed and uh, do a load of coke. But uh, it seems to be more and more prevalent in uh, English games now, especially the coke side of things. I bet it's really shit coke as well. That'd be cheap and horrible. <laughs> Fucking crap. <laughs> Which isn't a good luck. I mean, uh, if you're doing really good coke, you're probably not going to football games, to be honest. <laughs> and getting, you know, getting into uh, aggro and shit. Well, there was the incident, wasn't there, at Forest the other week with the, the Leicester lad who sort of said afterwards, and, and he's been since jailed and said, oh, you know, I'd, I'd obviously been drinking since early in the morning and I'd done a shed load of gear as well. And I, I mean, I've seen it at, at games plenty of times, home and away. Um, and obviously there was all the incidents with, you know, the Euros last summer with England fans just openly doing gear in the stadium, outside the stadium, etc. I suppose it's just on the lash, isn't it? Just trying to... Uh... One of the reasons is just it's, you need an upper, don't you? After drink is ultimately a, a downer. So, uh, well, Keenan Keenan Davis nearly gave him an upper. I mean, if that steward hadn't been there, he would have been uppered right into the the front row of the crowd. Yeah. Oh, so you're referring to uh, Forest Leicester the FA yeah. Cup game? Yeah, and there was a little there was a, a, an operation, wasn't there, at the Carabao Cup final between Chelsea and Liverpool, where swabs were taken on a number of the trains heading to London from Liverpool, and they said co- co- cocaine was found on every single train and in most carriages. Wow. So yeah, it's a problem, and uh, now it's being uh, tackled uh, seemingly. Uh, meanwhile, uh, point number two: uh, sad news from Mexico. Uh, 
how did this kick off? Uh, I mean, I, I was away when I, when I saw this kind of on Twitter, but uh, is it basically just f- clashes between two sets of uh, fans in a Mexican game? Yeah, but really nasty ones. Yeah, very, very, very bad. Is it, who was it? Atlas and... Uh, Quirataro, was it? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Quirataro. And uh, how many people uh, died from this? There's no there's no official reports of anybody dying from it. Um, the official reports so far stated that 26 people were injured and three critically, but uh, the graphic video evidence that's freely available and first-hand accounts that you can find would suggest that there there is more serious casualties. Because some bit, just the thing I saw in passing was saying it was like 17 had uh, passed away. Yeah, there's been lots of sort of loads of um, di- misinformation, yeah, differing reports. Yeah. So we'll sort of see. But yeah, it started in the started in the stands, spilled out onto the pitch. Is it being like connected to like criminal gangs There's, and stuff? Yeah, and like the sort of the very extremist end of the ultras, kind of cartel violence. I think so. Yeah, there'll be a little bit of that. And apparently, uh, was it? I think uh, me and Phil have discussed before that one of the gangs had bought the, or, you know, paid off the security at the venue. So one of them were completely tooled up with weapons. The other one had had all theirs taken off them. Right. Yeah, I think there's a there's a history between these two teams. I think uh, Atlas relegated. The other team, um, you know, a few years ago, and this is—it's just been bad blood since. I mean, there's—it's symptomatic of a problem in, in Mexico. I mean, reports from the federal government show in the first ten days of this year alone, there were 648 murders in Mexico. Wow. So it's, it's just cartels, spilling, though, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah, it's just spilling into football. Now, I mean, the the sadly ironic thing about the build-up to this game was the Liga MX had decided that in the wake of the war between Russia and Ukraine to name the, the, this tournament the Shout for Peace 2022. That's not good. That's the irony of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, when when we uh, luckily when we relegate Newcastle uh, every other year uh, it's just uh, it just breaks out on Twitter, doesn't it? There's no uh, people getting tooled up and no. uh, fighting. I mean, to give you an idea of how ser- serious it still is, I mean, the, they've already announced that seven men that are lying injured in hospital, whenever they are released and able to go to go back across state lines, they're going to be given a police escort to get them back across the state lines. So it's it's really serious. Right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Right. Uh, point number three. Uh, how did this happen? I mean, I saw a video of uh, Roberto Carlos coming on for a Sunday league team. Was it in Shrewsbury? Yeah, bull, bull in the barn. United, who signed him for five pounds on eBay, like a raffle or something. Yeah, it was a raffle in support of charity uh, football beyond borders that helps disadvantaged young people in the community. Did he score? Yes, he scored a penalty, but despite scoring the penalty, he was on the losing side. But um, the bit that has gone viral afterwards is, um, as you do in Sunday League football, is after the game you go for a pint, win, lose or draw. So he's with all his teammates and they start asking, you know, oh, who have you played with? Who, what famous players do you still have their numbers and things? So he goes, well, it's Sergio Ramos. So he FaceTimes Sergio Ramos and there's a great video going around of Sergio Ramos's face just appearing on the phone and, you know, everybody cheering and then he, he joins in the fun as well. It's a bit like when Robert Perez... Turned up and played for Aston Villa and scored. <laughs> Great goal, that one. It was, I remember that one. So again, Blackburn. Yeah, and it was wasn't a cup it? game, I think. They were hobbling around the pitch. At- I mean, this is like former Galactico uh, Roberto Carlos Villa's version was like former Invincible Roberto Perez. Aging comes on, treating us like a Sunday league team. I don't know. Those were the uh, dark days. <laughs> that, the, the beginning of the dark days, that was. Right, Saints at home. After Villa had finally uh, got back to winning ways against Brighton, we've done the business uh, against you know two uh, let's say two decent mid-table teams. Yeah, two uh, teams in and amongst in, us in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Well, Southampton had only lost once in ten games before playing us. Yeah, because of uh, the weekend was to show uh, support uh, and stand with Ukraine in the in the current uh, Putin invasion the saints uh, luckily their third kit is ukrainian colours so they played in that and uh, their away fans put on a good showing as well in their way into their fair. fans were all given uh, scarves in in that colour as well to obviously hold up for the minutes applause as the ukrainian flag flew next to the uh, american and uh, egyptian one 
in terms of the lineup, that was the big blow. Came out of nowhere was uh, Lucas Dean and uh, Konza. We suddenly got the the back four back together after Konza's uh, double game ex, uh, suspension, and uh, he was gone again. And uh, Lucas Dean was gone as well. So you're thinking, ah, real chance to get some momentum. And uh, now we're playing a decent Southampton team. We're missing half of our uh, back four, but I think they had they had a couple of players missing from their back four as well, didn't they? Yeah, both teams had problems. Um, I thought, I'd imagine yeah, Villas because it was apparently COVID. It must have been quite a last-minute thing if they're still testing on the morning of the game. So Yeah, and uh, Traore uh, was back on the bench. Uh, that was, was deemed a bit of a 50-50 one if we were going to see him back. But obviously, I think those two uh, COVID incidents fast-tracked him uh, back on the bench. He probably wouldn't have featured uh, if, if that wasn't the case. So Ashley Young came in and uh, Callum Chambers came in and you're suddenly thinking, eh, I'm not so confident uh, now. But uh, it was a false sense of security, wasn't it? That we were leading Southampton in... Very much so. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I mean, I'd fancied us to win this one all week. I think just because of the momentum from Brighton, I thought we'll take it into this and the Southampton run has to end somewhere, why not a villa? But you never expect what happened to happen. Um, you know, A little bit like when we played Derby, Around about the same time a few years ago, it was kind of the same same feeling as that. But you know, when you saw the team sheet, you thought, "Oh, they can cause they, they can cause this back four tr- um, trouble." You're hoping with Konza back that uh, we would kick on, but we did anyway. Yeah, we don't need Konza; we can sell him in the summer. Yeah, it was a, a really, really, <laughs> really, really good performance. Yeah, they were just all, all the Villa team were just seemed to be on it from the very first few minutes. Yeah, and the fact that we got the early goal, which is a great goal. It just set, it settled everyone. I mean, let's start what's made the difference here. I think he's he's looked at that midfield and he's thinking uh, the players aren't that bad. It's just it's. I think it's been the system that's been letting us down and, and yeah. where they're appearing because there's been massive gaps. We've been open to the counter so many times, and that's what's put pressure on you know our defence. A lot of the time, they've been outnumbered, out guns, and uh, pulled all over the place. But now you're seeing it's like. Uh, We've seen like McGinn and Ramsey filling in for the fullbacks when they've bombed on, but I I think they're a lot more disciplined now and and noticeably once Cash is Cash is in cutting into that eighteen yard box, the opposition eighteen yard box, you pretty much know that uh, McGinn's let's say holding holding his line and vice versa with uh, whether it's uh, Dean or Young on the other side, Ramsey uh, checks back a little bit but also in this game noticeably uh, Douglas Louise rather than being like this isolated uh, central DM shielding the uh, defence it's more of like that there's like a three isn't there and he's like in the middle of a three it's kind of a diamond yes with yeah. Coutinho at the top and uh, Louise is the base but it's it's not an outright you know you're looking at Coutinho and Louise a lot more flexible than you would imagine but I think the f- starting kind of formation is a diamond but let's say with a bit more of a flatter three yeah the yeah. back the back three of the diamond I think when you haven't got the ball they probably all tuck in slightly and they leave Coutinho to be like the head of it so it almost becomes like a four three one two 
ish uh, because you're playing with two out and out forwards and it just frees up Coutinho I think maybe the problem we've we'd had before that was trying to shoehorn in Coutinho and Buendia two very similar types of players and they're great to watch when they when it's happening but I think they maybe don't give you enough uh, when you don't have the ball as you saw at Brighton when we didn't have the ball we were much more compact and we could still sort of hurt the opposition and you saw it at a better level against Southampton where we had the balance but then when we got on the ball we really had a had a bit of firepower but the thing about this, uh, you know, if you want to loosely call it a diamond, is Coutinho doesn't stay at the head of the diamond. I mean, early, early on in this game, before the, you know, before the first goal, he's literally picking it up. I can't remember if it's in his own half, but the only two players, uh, let's say, uh, behind him are the two centre backs, and he, he, you know, he plays the ball through to Watkins. Uh, I think it was one of uh, the first clear chances but he's playing that quarterback pass out from the back and you think wow you know Coutinho is dropping deep here and he actually drops back to play the pass that uh, releases Ings who uh, sets up Watkins for the opener as well so he's got a lot more license it seems he's not just uh, hovering behind the front two he's you know he's moving around midfield picking up the ball wherever he can where there's space so uh, he, you know he seeks it out deep if necessary I mean basically everything we did that was good offensively pretty much started or ended with Coutinho which was great to watch. Because obviously you, it's hard to man-mark him if he's dropping back uh, and picking up so deep. Yep. So that's I mean, that's part of the ploy, I suppose, to have that kind of flexibility of where he can you know, operate in midfield. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and um, tactically, sorry, for one of the tactical differences as well, I think from Brighton, even more so against Southampton, was both fullbacks weren't always bombing on. Cash sort of had a little bit more license than Young, but you could see Young almost wanted to go on a few occasions, but didn't push too hard. He's almost just said, if one of you goes, one of you has to stay here. You can't both push on and leave us, you know, short at the back, which again just balanced, you know, that sort of transition between attack and defence a little bit better. And we, when we, you know, when you saw in the Watford game, we said at the time, we're trying to pass the ball through the eye of the needle and it wasn't quite working against Southampton. It did him. And then the first goal was the best example of the way Gerard wants us to play, really working finally, you know, really sharp, incisive passing. We pulled them apart with, Three moves, yeah. great turn, and a brilliant finish. It's just a class team goal. Because it's, it's, I mean, we've been guilty when we played out the back. There's, there's kind of not much tempo there to get things going, but uh, it's a lot more in that final third, a lot more snappier, yeah, and yeah. you know, passing with tempo and more precision. Yeah. Precision, not just tempo. I mean, would, if you, if you look at the weight on the, those two passes that went into Watkins, first of all, Coutinho fires that ball in the Ings, and Ings, you know. Worst players wouldn't even control that ball. Ings gets it, and then he does a nice like reverse pass inside the Watkins, and it's at pace as well. And Watkins' turn, you, you won't see a better. I mean, that's no, class, I, isn't it? Yeah, nobody's. I mean, I was looking at the other side of the screen as well. Whenever he turned, uh, he, he filled me completely, and then he's just left with the keeper. And again, great finish from him. Yeah, I mean, the second goal just before half time, Louise appearing where he did. That's what I'm saying about he's he's got more license to move uh, in in that kind of. I mean, he's the bottom of the diamond, but that the base of the diamond is is wider. It's got you know, it's basically those three, isn't it? It's Ramsey, yeah. Louise, and McGinn. He's got more of a license to make sure there isn't gaps. He's not just like sitting back on the uh, the center circle because if he does that, then that potentially does you know for their out ball gives them a lot of field to run in. So he's kind of getting up, and uh, obviously with Ramsey and McGinn. Uh, sometimes exercising caution if there is to, you know let's say the wide uh, fullbacks going forward he's got more of a license to kind of run in and get involved and he has been I mean he appears on the left a lot he he does uh, I mean his heat map will be interesting to to view because he does uh, get around uh, nowadays uh, Louise but the important thing about this performance was there was no catastrophic mistakes which yeah. were you know two sloppy passes uh in the previous game against Brighton, just undermined his uh, performance up to that mm -hmm. point. Well, I mean, this is this, and that's been yeah. that's been the frustration, hasn't it? Yeah, this is the point you make. How how frustrating must it be to to manage Louise or even play with him because he can put in a performance like he did against Southampton there, and he just everything he did was good. I mean, there's even before one of the goals in the second half, he was in the edge of the box willing to take a shot and there was no hesitation at all. He hit the shot and it was blocked um, before it went out. I think it was McGinn to make the run into the box, but I mean. That's the thing. I mean, it's not a case of, you know, you're singling out Louise for, for criticism because of his ability or anything else. It's because of those catastrophic mistakes, like you said. I mean, the frustration must be off the chart. Jared just goes, just be that consistent from now on and, you know, the place is nailed down. I mean, as we said previously, it's like unforced errors. It's like mistakes that don't... It's we're just talking about lax, simple, simple passes to make. 
And speaking of making the pass, what a ball from Chambers for the goal. I mean, the first goal was a great move. The second goal is as good, if not better. The little clip ball with the outside of his foot and then Coutinho's weight of pass just across the goal for Luis, who couldn't miss, frankly. It's a brilliant goal. The irony of a goal in, that included two Brazilians, one with the assist, one with the goal, uh, the, the irony is the most Brazilian thing about that move was his initial ball. I mean, it's like bringing back memories of uh, Pelé in the 70s and Socrates in the 80s. There was uh, even a little bit of Merson about it, I thought, because it was with the outside of his foot and Merson yeah. used to always use that. Didn't just sort of just- yeah, the imagination as well, to get that height up and down as well, just... yeah. <laughs> you wondered at the time what he was doing then you just seen it all come together yeah I mean somebody on Twitter said to me uh, when I uh, made the uh, Brazilian analogy on Twitter uh, about Chambers being the most Brazilian thing on the field said uh, what from a player you dismissed as just any old player who had a few games at DM for Arsenal when in fact he was Fulham's player of the season when he did play uh, central midfield well we were having the discussion of Chambers is he the solution at DM for Villa and we thought well rather than have the player of the season of a relegated Fulham team by the way it's not really a good uh, sign when your uh, DMs gets you relegated we were talking about that isn't the solution for Aston Villa with their ambition and where they're going is not to play let's say a defender in that CDM role because you only play that when there's an injury crisis don't you it's not like your solution and we're all for that I'm all for versatility and it's great that you've got you know centre-backs who can play on the ball but you don't want to be reliant on him but you know, in that instance, you kind of go, fair play, mate. That's a, a brilliant ball. Yeah. And then, you know, a minute later or so, Coutinho, you know, he's, he'd already missed, you know, a couple of chances where Forster had made a great save. He'd flashed like an absolute rocket about an inch past the post, which would have been a brilliant goal. And then obviously Watkins' little flick on sent him clear and he'd kind of done the hard work. You know, Coutinho was through. He sits Forster down. He said, just, just run round him, roll it into the empty net. He sort of tried to clip it in the far post and went narrowly wide. But, you know, the game could and should have been absolutely dead at halftime. Yeah. Luckily, of course, we came out after the second uh, the start of the second half and just blitzed them, didn't we? It was done. Within 10 minutes, the game was over, 4-0. Yeah. It's one of those where there's a good chance that's going to be the full, full-time result because normally 4-0 is when teams really take their foot off the gas. And we kind of did, really. You know, we'd had so we'd missed a few chances in the first half. Ings had come close before we even got the, the uh, you know, the, he got his goal. Um, and strangely, Coutinho, actually, his finish was the hardest of the chances he had. It was a yeah. really cheeky goal. He sits about three or four, at least, Southampton defenders so on much traffic, Yeah, so much traffic in front of him, he wasn't it? Whips it through Forster's legs. Um, really cheeky goal. And, obviously, and the fourth was just a brilliant a brilliant team goal again. It's, that's the sort of end product we've been hoping for to see from Cash for quite a while. You know, Really bombing on, get to the byline, deliver a great ball. And you know when you're giving service like that, as we've all said about him if you give him good service he's going to score you goals yeah and then as you said at 4-0 it's kind of game over and I think Gerard was a little bit nitpicky after the game that he would have liked to have seen us control the game from there you know we let Southampton have a lot of the ball but they didn't do much with it by one big chance um Che Adams had and obviously Martinez who to be fair to him didn't have much to do when called upon made a world-class save but I think Gerard was saying I, I wanted at 4-0 to see us just control the game have the ball see it out very easily but actually we just sort of held him at arm's length it was almost like an away performance yeah, it was interesting. Uh, the Ings interview after the game, he he seemed more disappointed in the performance than he was with the score. Yeah, uh, uh, which was kind of uh, it shows that they're they're obviously there's a level they're working to. Yes, and yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not there yet, which uh, is exciting. No, I'd agree with that. And I, I suppose, encouraging. I suppose it, in a way, it was a little bit like the Leeds game in that we just blitzed them in short bursts. But of course, because we were much more solid, and we. And Southampton just didn't show much going forward or didn't cause us many problems. We had that control of the game that, frankly, we should have had against Leeds. You know, we just went bang, bang, bang in a sort of a 15-minute period at the end of the first half, start of the second. And that's exactly what we should have done against Leeds. I remember we, you know, we said if we if Villa had come out second half yeah. and got the, the next goal against Leeds, we'd have won that game. Because Gerard did admit he made an adjustment at halftime so they wouldn't be so open yeah. to that Leeds uh, counter and that. I think that took away our uh, threat. menace yep. going forward. Yeah, and then it was kind of like you know slippers in a pipe for the last half an hour, which yeah. is very very rare at Villa Park um, in re- in recent years. It would have been nice to see the players that that came on sort of you know one of them get a goal. It would have been nice to see either Sanson, Bailey, or Buendia just to sort of keep that taken over because Southampton, whenever it got to that stage, that that did start to break the momentum up, lying down. There was a yeah. player Ashley Young that uh, I think was Broha 
actually heated a horrendous dive towards the end, wasted another couple of minutes. It was just, again, when teams sort of do that and break up Villa's momentum, you can just see the time ticking away. But yeah. in this case, there was a, an argument that Villa had took her foot off the gas as well. And before the game, Sky had flagged it up. I think it was Gary Neville who'd said it was about on 60, 65 minutes, nearly every game, Southampton have had a player go down so they can have a breather. It was right. a really interesting little subplot during the game. I was kind of waiting for it to happen, but of course it didn't really make much difference because we were 4-0 up. So it never really yeah. came, but it has been happening in the previous games where they'll, they'll take on their fluids, they'll all go over to the manager while someone basically will feign injury. Um, well, Leeds, I mean, when against Leeds, it wasn't feigning in this injury. They were all blowing out of their ass and all lying down, down with down cramp, cramp, weren't they? But, <laughs> like, um, three or four of them. Was, you know, it was good to see the guys come on when they did. I actually thought at 4-0, having seen a little brief cameo at Brighton I thought they would have given Irogbenum you know a little 10-15 minute cameo again again just to get him involved because you know in previous years certainly you know the sort of the 90s early 2000s that's when Villa of old would have given the kids a game when you think well we've, we've the job's done here now's a good time to blood a youngster but ultimately we've got so many guys who need game time that actually bringing Sanson Bailey Buendia on was it's good you know the fact that we can bring I don't know I don't know what the maths would be but probably the best part of 70 odd million off the bench yeah. is a sign of progress no exactly and uh, you need these players need minutes to uh, keep them motivated as well especially Buendia who consider himself quite unlucky to uh, have obviously lost in his place because he's probably been one of our best players since Christmas yeah yeah I was, I was about to say he's arguably our better performer in, in that kind of run uh, yeah uh, the miserable run uh, that we we don't even have to think about anymore. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> uh, any comments on Sanson? Just sort of steady. He had a couple of really nice touches, actually, where he kind of picked, picked the ball up and held his own well. Bailey had a couple of little bursts. He actually had a bit of a half chance and tried to be flash and lob the goalie and made a bit of a mess of that. And Buendia did what he did. You know, he kind of came on and controlled the game, which was good. Yeah, I mean, Sanson and Bailey only had seven touches each, so uh, there wasn't that much. Uh, well, there wasn't that much time for impacts like less than twenty minutes, wasn't there? I, I just don't know what impact Sanson would make. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong when he came on. I mean, I, I'm not digging him out, but he's not a player that's going to come on and do something, especially at four 0 So, I mean, if that turns out to be his job, if it is to, to just settle things down, you know, that that's something valuable. But I, I just don't see what he was doing. <laughs> straight in with a with a Samsung kill one thing I will give um, them collectively credit for was that you know we'd, we'd seen you're going to get stick for that Phil Shaw the, um, <laughs> obviously the game at Villa Park last year and plenty of previous games and he, and he comes with a big warning sign but actually we kept James Ward-Prowse very very quiet um, you know they had multiple corners set pieces etc but Villa handled it well but actually they you know a team have done a good job on on a creative player when he's taking the ball off the centre backs. Now we've you know accused our players of it down the years for a long time with likes of Grealish etc. Taking the ball off the centre backs too deep, and Ward Ward Prowse was always playing around the halfway line, which meant he yeah, didn't I mean, we yeah. didn't allow him to actually get into dangerous areas to hurt us. On paper, that Southampton midfield should have been like Villa's kryptonite. I mean, you've Romeo in there, really he's top tackling shit house, whatever you want to call him. I mean, I said I I would take him at Villa, no problem, and. I think Armstrong and Ward Prowse in there as well. Armstrong I mean, had a good game, I thought. Yeah, they're they're, they're good a very players. tidy team. They just didn't quite have the spark that they've had in the last few weeks. I think it was just a, a bad day at the office for them. But you can see why when they kind of get up ahead of steam against opposition, they can actually do them do them some damage. But uh, you know, Southampton have been a nemesis uh, over the years. So, we haven't, uh, we haven't beaten them before this one. I think the last win was uh, August 04 under O'Leary when Carlton Cole scored on his debut. It had been that long. Yeah. The biggest win over the Saints since I think it was like December 99. I think we played him in a League Cup game. It's been that long. Yeah, so uh, I mean, it's always, uh, it's kind of people don't, for, don't re- kind of realise that how bad we have been against Southampton uh, in recent it's, years. Yeah, especially since they sort of came back up from you know, their little relegation woes in the mid-2000s. Right, start of the game. Danny Ings has now scored six goals in eight appearances against former clubs. So, moral of the story, don't sell him, fella, especially if somebody you're going to be playing against. <laughs> yeah, lesson is he's not very sentimental then. It was always in the stars, wasn't it? Especially with that record and, you know, players against their old clubs normally score if they're a striker. Muted, muted celebration as well, out of respect. Cracking goal, though. Right, speaking of Mr. Ings, he is in the burning question of the week, uh, which is, has the Watkins-Ings can't play together line of thinking? Uh, is that done and dusted now? And where does Buendia fit in because of that? Because he's obviously been a full guy to the reintroduction of Watkins and Ings as a pair. 
I mean, clearly they can play together. You know, the fact that you've, all your front players scored in a game is a real, a real plus. I think we'll probably judge them against, with respect to Southampton, much better opposition. You know, we've got, I think we've got Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool to come to Villa Park in the coming coming weeks. Um, so we'll probably judge them against that. But it's it's a, it's positive signs. Yeah, the interesting thing with the question itself was something I didn't even think about. And then uh, it got to the stage because you thought, well, you know, Watkins was injured at the start of the season, then kind of Ings was out. So there was never, ever a chance of them having a bit of momentum together. And uh, so it's something you never really thought about. You saw it playing out on Twitter. You think, oh, you know, they can't play together. And you just think, well, no, actually, they're two of our better players, two of our most expensive signings ever. It's not a, this isn't like, can Lampard and Gerrard play in the same England team or whatever? It's like, how can Aston Villa, who have gone a couple of seasons where they've had one fit striker, suddenly start moaning about having two good strikers and then coming to the conclusion that they can't play them both at the same time? It's like, it's a weird kind of warped reality, isn't it? Yeah. But it got to the stage where we, even on this podcast, we started to think, yeah, maybe. I mean, I remember Dan was saying he took no, he paid no attention to this debate and then he suddenly found himself thinking and we were saying, yeah, maybe it might not work and there's a better way of you better way of you because we need to toughen up I think was one of our problems and you know that suggests that maybe you go for that extra midfielder and you know Buendia certainly despite his diminutive size gets around and does does help Watkins press up the yeah as I said earlier he's a really unfortunate fall guy in the system but I think it's the first time we've actually seen Watkins and Ings in the last two games obviously play in their positions as strikers. You know, previously it was like, yeah. oh, we'll try and shoehorn them into a front three. That's not really what they want to do. You know, when they actually play off each other, you can see well, they're, they're clearly both technically good players and I think we're finding a way to get the service right. I like the fact that Coutinho's in behind them. Yeah, we got into a position where we're kind of overloading the front and that yeah. was upset in the balance, yeah. uh, especially in midfield. Yeah, we look no. a lot more balanced all of a sudden in the last two games. What I would say is, I mean, I did, especially after last season, Watkins' first season, I didn't really have him down as a confidence player. I thought Watkins was always at a level. You know, he always backed himself. Mm-hmm. This this season, you have seen that he is like like 90% of strikers. He is a confidence player. So he, the, his touch and things, I mean, everything has just clicked back into the Watkins of last season, if not even yeah. better than the Watkins of last season. I mean, that, he wasn't doing that turn last season. And I think... Now you see, I mean, Ings stays roughly at the same level. I don't see him being affected by confidence the same way. But he's got that maturity, that, hasn't he? Yeah. At this level that now that Watkins is on fire, you just have to you have to keep them both playing. Yeah, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're now just finding ourselves uh, in an alien position where we've got more than just eleven good players. Mm-hmm. So uh, this does open up, uh, you know, proper debates uh, yeah. that you can have you pre-match pint over who plays. It's it's actually a luxury that we can have legitimate well, conversations like that options, now. haven't we? You know, Buendia, you know, where does he fit in now? It's kind of like, well, we know, we all know he does fit in. We know what he can do. So it's just a case of when he gets his opportunities, he's going to have to take them. And they will come. And, and Bailey's at the moment just a bit part player, isn't he? He's, he's going to have to uh, become like an Adama, isn't he? He's going to have to become like your sort of, I think I think when he first arrived, I think it was after the Everton game, we called him like the nuclear option. It's like, well, you need a bit of crash bang, like, a bit of like pace and a bit of power and directness. Electricity. Yeah. That's what he's for. And he tried. He had a couple of moments, a couple of good runs. Um, he's just going to need game times. But at the moment, I, you look at our system and how everything's working and the way things are going and our possible sort of variety in the system. And it's like if you're going to change shape, you bring Buendia in for probably one of the strikers if you want to change the balance. So it's I don't know where Bailey would start for us other than if there's injuries. Right. Uh, let's uh, close out the show. Just want to say thank you to the My Old Man Said patrons for supporting the show. And uh, we will be seeing you soon in Match Club if you also want to uh, join us and uh, get access to Match Club and uh, a few other things that are on the horizon, which will be uh, announced soon, as well as... Uh, the extra podcasts uh, I've still got a back catalogue shed load to get out because uh, I've been away but thank you very much uh, to uh, James Brown for uh, signing up as a, a patron I think it was just a renewal and uh, Stephen Arnold as well a warm welcome to him and also to uh, Paul Corbett for signing up as an annual member if you sign up as an annual member, you get two months free, which is 15% off. Just go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link there. 
Also, uh, please do spread the word on the show. If you see uh, the latest edition, i.e. this one, come out on Twitter, please do give it a retweet or a share on uh, Facebook. Uh, and also uh, put your notifications on whatever podcast app you're using. Uh, if you listen on Acast, I think Acast are discontinuing uh, their uh, podcast app soon because they just want to concentrate on the other side of things uh, rather than you know everybody coming up with podcast apps. I think they're just think that most people listen on uh, apple spotify google whatever so why uh, waste resources on that so bear that in mind uh, if that's what you're using to uh, listen on i will uh, start putting up links for other things uh, from now on in so uh, i will find out if you're a patron and your uh, acast app is linked to the extra my old man said patron podcast channel then uh, i will uh, inquire how that sits now and uh, what what will have happen i know you can like for example uh, hook it up to apple and most uh, podcast apps but spotify doesn't allow private rss feeds so uh, any any problems uh, just drop me a, a mail and we will uh, get to the root of it uh, and uh, speaking of uh, Twitter, do follow the at said account, uh, which uh, eventually will become the main said uh, podcast Twitter address. So uh, do uh, follow that. Uh, any final words before we go? No, just keep the momentum going. Yep. A couple of interesting ones, obviously Leeds and West Ham, kind of on paper difficult games, but ones I think we can get stuff in. Yeah, I think as long as we are uh, playing to our full potential and cutting out the silly mistakes. I think that midfield tweak has been uh, fundamental in uh, uh, our potential, but we need to test it out. I mean, it's against West Ham, that'll be interesting to uh, yeah. and see you never how it goes with Leeds, Obviously, with a new manager, you don't know if they'll get any kind of bounce or if they'll be bang up for it or if they've had their wind knocked out of the sounds. Yeah, that's Leeds is Leeds. But West Ham, I think, is a legit test uh, on yeah. the new uh, kind of tweak of formation. Right, uh until our away trips it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.